Hey lady, welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Mariuki, leadership coach, career queen, twin mom, and wife. If you are ready to step into the level 2.0 version of yourself, girl, you've just found yourself a cheering squad that will help you do just that and even more. From one career woman to another who navigated the challenges of being a black woman in a profession that lacked diversity, with no rule book to help me figure out the keys to climbing the corporate ladder, I am on a mission to change this scene for good. In the last few years of my 10-year career, I not only overcame the challenges that held me back from the mid-level career slump I found myself in, but unlocked the doors to land big promotions in my career, become a director at just the age of 32 in the largest global audit firm, get my confidence game on and become a trusted leader. If you are ready to shake off the self-doubt that's been holding you back, uncover your value, get seen, promoted, and paid like the leader you deserve to be without more degrees, qualifications, or inauthentic networking tactics, stay tuned because you are about to get elevated. Hi, Siti. Welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. How are you? I'm very well, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on the other side of a podcast for once. Yes, I know. And we've been talking about this conversation for a while. So I am yes. so excited and really grateful to have you on the show to talk about a very important topic for us as corporate women. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and you know tell us what you do and then we'll take it from there. Sure. I always find this very difficult because I wear so many hats like most women, right? <laughs> But my name is Titi Mutiti. I'm the founder of The Wealth Conversation, which is a financial coaching business. I'm also the host of a podcast called The Wealth Conversation. And The Wealth Conversation is my passion. I started it because I wanted to help women, especially women of color, really become confident about handling money, talking about money, and just using money to create the lifestyle that they desire, whatever it is. And the reason why I've gone down that route is I work full-time as well, and my corporate role is as a wealth manager. So I support individuals to grow, maintain, and protect their wealth for the future and for the next generation. And I realized that there was a gap between sort of what I do and what I do as a nine to five job and what I do with my own personal money. There was this big knowledge gap and that, that knowledge gap is there amongst my friends and family and even colleagues and people who I interact with. So I started the Wealth Conversation as my way of creating a bridge between the two. Oh, I love that. I love that. I remember this joke that I heard when I was in my first job and they were just saying how the worst business owners are management consultants. So you know how management consultants literally advise people on businesses, but they themselves aren't that good when it comes to doing it themselves. So I can totally mm. relate with you in what you're saying. So tell us more about that gap that you recognized and what observations you made, particularly in the context of, you know, women of color and how maybe our backgrounds, how we were raised, how money is usually a taboo to talk about, how that affects or makes that gap bigger or smaller. Tell us more about that. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think the best way to explain it is just, you know, my own personal story. So, you know, I'm now living and working in the UK and my business is a UK business or at least a UK registered business, but I support people globally. But I actually grew up in Zimbabwe and I moved to the UK in my late 20s and I brought with me, you know, 200 US dollars, the clothes I could bring in the suitcase and my knowledge of money that I gained from being in Zimbabwe and in Africa. And, you know, I grew up in a cash society and a lot of Africa is still a cash society, right? And money wasn't really talked about, but part of me feels like maybe my parents didn't talk about money because, you know, when they passed away, I was quite young. By the time I was 17, both my parents had passed away. So I sometimes think that maybe they didn't have the opportunity to speak to me about money in a way that they understood and how they managed money. But also even the other people, the older people around me, aunts and uncles and teachers, etc., people I worked with before moving to the UK, there was never that type of money conversation that I can have now. And even when I moved to the UK, I struggled for a long time to kind of understand the financial system, how it mm -hmm. worked, you know, credit cards, loans. I mean, I just didn't understand how it all worked. I mean, it was easy to get at the time, but how to manage that no idea. And then how to manage my own money. Because for me as a woman, you know, who's lived in Africa, has got connections to Africa. At the time when I moved, there were a lot of demands on me. I'm sort of first generation in this country. And, you know, at that time, I'd left my daughter back home. She was going to come here. So I was paying school fees. I was supporting people back home. And I also was carrying this guilt about you know, I'm earning in this currency, you know, pounds, it's quite strong, you can do so much with it. And people back home are suffering in quotation marks, and I need to do something to support my people back home. So there was a lot of sending back of money, helping people when they said they had problems. But at the same time, I was getting myself into debt. So I was now borrowing money to be able to do that. And they're not even understanding how to manage that. So I, after a year of moving to the UK, I ended up in a firm that works, you know, deals with money. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, the conversations these people were having and what they were doing with money. And I didn't understand how someone could have 250,000 that they could just give to someone to just manage or even a million pounds. Like, how do you do that? How do you get to that point? I didn't understand how someone in the 1800s set aside some money and it was now hundreds and thousands of pounds. And since they set aside that money had bought houses for several generations, it had bought cars, it had sent people to private schools, it had done all sorts of things. It had helped people come out of sticky situations in their family for decades. And I just asked myself that question, how come no one ever had these sort of conversations with me? Why did the people I grew up with, you know, the older people around me, why didn't they tell me that these things could be done? So that's where I was like, there is this huge gap, not actually realizing that it was actually a reality for a lot of people. So I went on this quest to try and understand it. And I was very fortunate that I was in a firm that supported me in terms of studying, etc. And actually, when I joined the firm, I was a I joined as a secretary. So I literally went from not knowing much about debt and stuff to understanding how to invest money, how to make it grow, what you need to do to protect that money, etc. 
But I realized that when I was trying to talk to my family and friends about what I do now, since I was qualified, they just, their eyes glazed over. They didn't understand what I was talking about. So then I thought to myself, I need to dial back and now simplify this because there is definitely a gap. You know, the way financial services talks to people, explains what we do and how people understand it. It's very different. Mm, I can totally relate to that. And if I just recall my own story, Mm. you know, I'm so fortunate enough to have one living parent. When I started working, I don't even remember having a conversation around, you know, money management. It was usually just the typical, you know, statement that's flung here and there. Don't get into debt. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. But I never really had that intentional conversation with anyone, you know, I could look up to about it. And so I want to hear from you. What are the common mistakes you see corporate women making when it comes to money management? Oh, Rebecca, where to begin? And I say that because I think about all the mistakes I made. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. whilst I was studying to get to the level where I am and even talking to you, I just think, wow, I can't believe this is me talking about money in this way. But whilst I was doing that, I was actually struggling financially. Honestly, I was struggling financially to the point where I thought I'm going to lose my job if they find out, you know, that I've got all this debt and I can't really manage it. But so I think that's the first mistake, you know, that corporate women make. And I say that from my own personal experience is not speaking out and not seeking help. Because what happens is we, you know, I was living two parallel lives. You know, I was being this really, you know, my career was going very well, you know, on paper. It looked like I was very successful, but Mm -hmm. I was struggling. So I think not opening up means that more of us are suffering in silence. We may appear to be quite successful and earning a lot of money, but actually that money isn't working as effectively as we are. So yeah, that would be the first thing, just being able to talk and seek some support. Another, and I don't know, I wouldn't call these mistakes, but I think these are kind of situations that we find ourselves in. We're so busy being busy with work and maybe family responsibilities or whatever, trying to, you know, just focusing on our career that we Mm -hmm. kind of forget to put ourselves first. And, you know, what are the things that we desire for our future, for our future family or for our family? Because sometimes some things, you know, when you say happiness, you know, money can't really buy that. But there are certain things that if you manage your money well, you can achieve those things. I think a big thing that I have seen and I also fell into this trap was, you know, not paying attention to some of the financial solutions that are right at your fingertips. So growing up in Africa and in Zimbabwe, I saw my idea of pensions was pensions don't work because we had a generation that had been very disciplined and worked for you know, decades in companies that were doing extremely well. And then the economy, you know, turned upside down. They retired on really good pensions. And then the value of those pensions just disappeared overnight. But Mm. for me as a young person, the message was pensions don't work. And I brought that with me to the UK. So when I was introduced to pensions as an employee, And this was before I started like studying to, you know, the wealth management stuff. 
I wasn't interested in contributing to a pension because as far as I was concerned, my money was going to disappear. Yeah. Also, with a pension, it's locked for, you know, until you retire. And I was in, so let's say I was in my 30s, so I'm like, I have to wait 30 years. That doesn't make sense. So, but actually a pension, and I think wherever you are in the world, a pension is something that's a really good way of saving for the long term. So you're actually paying forward for your future self. Mm -hmm. I think also maybe just thinking a bit further ahead about what you want as an individual. What is your retirement going to look like after all this hard work you've put in for this corporate entity and starting to plan and build for it now? I think that's something we tend not to focus on because we've got so many demands on us. Um, yes. And I think that's a conversation that we all need to have as corporate women. I love that. Oh, that's such a powerful statement. You know, what's your financial future going to look like when you retire? I think because we think that we are immortal, we don't really think that far or it's even uh -huh. a taboo to think that you're going to die and to start planning for that, which is something else. Yeah. You know, as black women, we need to start being more open about because there's so many situations where all our hard work, you know, just goes away with our generation and it doesn't really spill over. So In comparison true, so to, true. to other, let me just say, cultures where mm -hmm. that discipline of passing on the generational wealth, like the example you shared earlier, is more instilled in their way of life. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me personally, there's a lot of historical issues around that where I, you know, I feel like there was Africa, you know, where a lot of black people are descended from, had a lot of wealth. And the narrative we hear about Africa is how that wealth and its people were taken away. So it's mm -hmm. very you know, I think we've learned over the years as a defense mechanism to not want to show that wealth, to not want to not embrace, you know, having wealth because it could get taken away. And for me, you know, a simple thing like my parents passing away when I was young reinforced that. So, you know, I realized that, you know, for a long time I was giving away money, one out of guilt, but also because I internalized a message that anything good or anything that I want gets taken away from me. So whenever I used to get very uncomfortable with having a lot of money in my bank account and money would just come sort of easily, like, you know, I'm working, you know, I've got a pay rise or whatever, I'm getting bonuses and money is just flowing. But, you know, as soon as I find a reason to give it away, I would give it away to the point where I was now getting myself into debt. I didn't even have the money to give it away. Yeah. But I think that boils down to one, understanding some of the reasons, you know, our relationship with money, but also not taking time to actually think about what is it that I want? What is it that I need? You know, I never for once thought that, you know, if I can look after myself, if I am comfortable, if I am happy, if I am healthy, if I have a nice house where I can have an office where I can work and everybody else can be doing their own things in their other rooms or whatever, you know, I can be able to give much more than what I'm giving now. So mm. it's so important to think about ourselves because I always say it's better to give from the overflow that goes into your saucer. If you think of a teacup and saucer, right? You want to give whatever's in the saucer and not what's in your teacup. I like that yeah. analogy. That is such a great analogy to use. And mm. I'm sure every woman who's listening to this can relate because there's always a need 
somewhere out there. Always. There's always <laughs> something you could be doing with your money, whether uh-huh. it's, you know, putting it in for the kids, getting them something extra, taking them out, or it's the parents at home, or there's yep. a funeral. There's always a need for our money. So how do you balance between, like you said, I love that analogy, but practically, how do you balance between being generous, but also being mindful of the implications on your own personal financial well-being? Yeah. Gosh, I feel like I'm at a therapy session because <laughs> these are the questions that I had to kind of ask myself in a very weird way. When mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was like, this is not working, mm-hmm. I need to sort out myself. And I guess for me, the tug of war was as much as I was giving for various reasons. And I must also say that one thing we don't acknowledge as people who give is that we also, by giving, sometimes we get a lot of power from that, you know, and control and without realizing it. And that can also be addictive. So some people end up doing that sort of thing because people become, you know, if you can imagine if people are reliant on you for their day-to-day expenditure because, you know, you are the main breadwinner, say maybe for like parents or siblings or whatever, or you're paying for school fees for somebody in the family. To a certain extent, what, you know, you can kind of tell them what (laughs) they should be doing with that money. Do you know what I mean? And I have to say, in a weird way, I also felt that. And I kind of liked being having that bit of power. But that is for another podcast. Hey, before we continue with this episode, I want to share this brand new resource that I created and put my heart and soul in getting to you. I am so excited to share with you the Position to Promotion Guide a brand new free PDF guide designed to help you plan your next promotion. Yep, I said plan. And this guide is going to show you exactly how in five steps. Wouldn't it be great if you could one, start getting the recognition and the money you deserve with the expertise you already have. Two, have the confidence to ask for a salary raise and secure it. Three, become the trusted leader and advisor in your area of expertise. Four, finally get that promotion I know you've been working so hard towards. And five, know how to position for a promotion even if you don't like negotiating like me. Well, the position to promotion guide is just what you need. You need a plan from someone who has actually done this to get the results you've been hoping for in your career. P.S. This guide is exactly how I've helped other women, myself included, secure phenomenal career results like getting directorship positions at work, 60% salary increments within a single financial year, and it's how you can do so too. Just go to bit.ly forward slash position to promotion to get your guide. I cannot wait for you to get your hands onto this. And oh, did I say I even dropped a free negotiation template in this guide with conversation starters to help you initiate the conversation, which I know can sometimes be difficult with your team leader around your promotion. Yep, I meant it when I said I put my heart into creating this amazing resource for you. Go to bit.ly forward slash position to promotion or check the link in the show notes below. Back to your question. I think, yeah, so for me, I had to kind of reconcile, you know, what is it that I want for myself? Why am I going to work? 
why am I working so hard? Where is this career going to get me? But also understanding that, okay, I'm getting paid X amount and what can this money actually do for me? And I sort of realized that I could do quite a lot with what I thought was a little bit of money. You know, I really believe that we all earn enough. It's just that we don't know how to manage that money in a way that makes sense to us and that will give us the lifestyle that we want. So on top of that, I also wanted to be able to give because that is in my nature. So I wasn't ready to cut, sort of cut people off, but I had to be practical and say, how much can I actually give? So mm-hmm. by kind of sitting down and looking at my income and then, you know, what I was spending my money on, you know, it's really about going back to basics, right? What are you spending your money on? What are the necessities? What are the things that you're doing without actually thinking? And why are you doing them? Because a lot of things, a lot of expenditures down to our habits and where are those habits stemming from? And then the money that you're maybe giving away or spending on the children or whatever, is it actually beneficial? And do you know how much it is? So I actually sat down and worked out how much money I was actually get, sending back home to, for whatever reason. And how much money I was just randomly giving away to people. You know, someone would come to me and say, oh, I'm going away on holiday. And I'd actually be like, oh, here's a hundred pounds. Go and enjoy yourself. I know. I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> not all the time. Not all the time. Once in a while, I do remember specifically one or two people where I did that, you know, and I was mm. like, I don't even know why I did it. But anyway, it was done. So actually sitting down and looking at how much money went out a month to things that, and it wasn't going to come back, right? And then saying, okay, where is it that I want, where there is actually a need? And yeah. if I do not support, then it's going to be, you know, it will actually cause more problems for me. Mm-hmm. And how much am I giving away? And I literally worked out how much was going to certain people for whatever reasons in a 12 month period. And I literally divided it by 12. And I was like, right, every month I will put aside this amount so that if I'm asked for or if there's a need that comes up, the money will come from that pool. And when the money in that pool has run out, I say no, or I say I can't at this point in time. And more often than not, people understand. So suddenly, I've now got a limit to where my giving is on a monthly basis, but I can still give. Mm-hmm. And by setting a sort of limit, it actually opened up the conversation with people to be like, you know, unfortunately, I'm unable to support right now. But is there anything else that can be done? Or do you actually need the money right now? And it's amazing what the responses would be. And suddenly, you know, you don't have to send the money because now, there's another solution has come up which no one ever thought about because I was always ready to be like here's the money so Mm -hmm. I didn't give even give people the opportunity to think about what they could do oh I love that it reminds me of that phrase teach them how to fish instead of feed them the fish yeah exactly wow Wow, that's amazing. That's powerful. So now that we have this awareness that we can actually design our financial future and we need to ask ourselves what we want that to look like Mm. and why we are doing what we are doing, how do we get out of this phase of or this mindset of, oh, when I get my pay raise, I'll do this to starting with what we have now? 
because I think that's also another pitfall that we can easily get into as career women. And then we're just always, you know, looking for the next pay raise, the next promotion. And then we'll start to do all these things or then we'll set aside or then we'll put more money in a lump sum in the retirement fund or invest in the shares that we've been wanting to look at. How do you start now with what you have without, yeah, just feeling that oh, this is so little? I mean, when is this going to ever become a substantial amount? When I'm asked to do presentations to groups, whatever group they are, I tend to include a slide which has a quote which has been attributed to Einstein, which says, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And it's all about taking advantage of how small steps become incremental and they start adding up, you know, to each other. So when I started saving, I was saving just five pounds a month because I was like, this is all I've got. This is Mm -hmm. all I can afford to save. And so five pounds this month, next month, another five. Now I've got 10 pounds. And then in four months, it's 20. And just being disciplined and starting with those small amounts, you know, starting where you are makes such a huge difference. And it got to a point where I quickly jumped from putting five pounds a month away to just 50 pounds and just seeing how that adds up incrementally, you know, over a 12 month period. It's another thing where you now start testing yourself and saying, okay, you know, you start finding that money in what you're spending, you know. So suddenly I've now got a hundred pounds. And now what I do is I now put aside 15% of my income every month, you know, whatever it is. So the figure will fluctuate if your salary is going up and down, or if you get things like commission payments, whatever. But now I always put money aside. You know, it's important to pay ourselves first because normally what we do and what, you know, the world teaches us to do and, you know, all the adverts teach us to do is to pay everybody else. So we do work where working we go to work nine to five you know 21 days off a month and then we get paid for the work we've done and then Mm. we go and we pay the mortgage the electricity the rent whatever you know we're paying for fuel in the car all this stuff insurance blah 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 food stuff for the kids and then we are kind of left with nothing so you know and we're not paying ourselves so i think it's important as corporate women to pay ourselves for the work that we do and put that into savings and i think it wouldn't be good for me to leave this podcast without reminding everyone about you know what we all experienced when the pandemic hit you know a lot of people got stuck because they just didn't have savings and it created you know this scenario where people are playing catch up so mm-hmm. you know we also have to think about the unexpected because not in terms of just you know our health and you know whether we're going to be around but even the companies that we work for will they survive this world that we're in the world is changing so much technology is changing how we communicate the things we do what is needed in the world and companies are folding you know some Mm. of the biggest banks disappeared off the face of the earth in the 2008 crisis and no one saw that coming and you know i was reminded recently that companies like apple and google have been around for less than 20 years Wow. So there's a lot of change. There's a lot of change that happens. And, you know, we might just be working for one of the firms that could become the biggest firm in the world or one of the firms that will not be here in 10 years time. Mm, mm, That whole misconception around job security, it doesn't exist. You have to create your own financial security. 
Definitely. And this is why I always say, you know, we need to become the designer of our financial future because relying on an employer, we cannot do it. Our generation cannot do it anymore. Mm. Oh, wow. That's so, so profound and reminds me of, I think it's called The Richest Man in Babylon, where the first mm -hmm. law in that book is pay yourself first and paying yourself first is not shopping or buying stuff or getting for your kids. hair done. <laughs> Exactly. That's what I used to say. I used to be like, oh, I'm going to go get my hair and my nails done and my eyebrows and whatever. And, you know, that's I'm looking after. No, that's not it. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not comfortable with paying yourself, then pay your future self. Right. Oh, love that. What is Rebecca in 2055 going to need? What is it in 2060 if we're still alive? I can't even do the math on how old I'll be then. But anyway, <laughs> what is she going to want to do? You know, I coached a lady who said to me, I want to fly. I want to, when I retire, I want to travel, but I want to travel in first class. Oh. And I was like, you need to start preparing now. Nice. Yes, yes. Because yes. it can be done. It can be done. It's so easy mm -hmm. to do. You don't mm -hmm. need a lot of money, but you have to prepare. Now you have to lay the foundation. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Dreaming about your financial future. And it doesn't even have to be 20 years from now. It could no. be something that you're working towards in the next five years. So don't let that distant timeline yeah. make you feel like, oh, it's still many years to come. Exactly. Let me enjoy myself now. Yeah, oh, it I could be that. as simple as wanting to buy, you know, your dream car, your dream home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's gotten me very excited. So <laughs> any last minute tips on for our corporate ladies on how they can get started or where they should start? I know you talked about tracking where your money is going to, but what mm -hmm. next after that? So yeah, definitely track where your money is going to and start to recognize the themes, right? There's a lot of people out there, money management coaches, etc., and books that will say, you know, don't buy your coffee. If you stop buying coffees, you can save X if you don't buy that croissant or whatever. And I don't believe in that. I think if you like your coffee, get your coffee, right? Oh, thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> If you like Netflix, get Netflix. But, you know, I recently did a three-day course with ladies in my Facebook group and I was saying, you know, there's certain things like subscriptions where now you can do like a family subscription where you pay one amount, but you've got six people attached to it. So how many people in your house are paying for the same thing? But actually, mm -hmm. if you group clubbed together, you could pay less individually or one person pays for this, another person pays for that, but we're all benefiting. Mm. So that's another thing. And that goes down to having conversations about money with your family. That's an important thing. Just focusing on the fact that we're talking about corporate women, I would say definitely understand what benefits you are entitled to and are you taking advantage of them. Simple things like insurance. Some firms have, provide good insurance cover mm -hmm. in terms of things like life insurance, health insurance, dental insurance. You know, some companies offer things like death and service. You might already be getting those. They might be paying those for you. But do you understand when they kick in? Because sometimes it means that you don't have to actually pay out your own money that you've got in your bank account to cover things when the unexpected happens. So that I think is a big thing. And even if your company doesn't provide certain insurances that you feel you need, they might be able to get a better deal for you than if you go individually because they, you know, they might have affiliations with certain firms. I've certainly found that to be true in this part of the world. And, and you'll never know if you don't ask, right? 
exactly. And, you know, there is this drive for, you know, employee well-being for most companies. And so these sort of things are being looked at, you know, by the personnel or HR teams or whatever they're called where you are. So definitely have those conversations with your employers. A lot of us kind of focus on the headline figure, how much we're actually getting in terms of our salary, but that actually isn't helpful when a disaster happens in your life, right? Like say you have an accident and you can't work for six months. What Uh you actually would want is, yes, to maybe be getting paid, but also having insurance cover where, Uh you know, maybe you've got income protection, which kicks Uh in a certain period of time. Then you can keep paying your mortgage. You can keep, you know, paying for the bills. What that does, as far as I'm concerned, is that it gives you peace of mind. So if you are ill, you can focus on recovering and coming Mm -hmm. back, you know, much healthier and stronger. Yeah, I think I might just leave it at that. For now, this is um, so so helpful. I'm taking yeah. so many notes. Oh, this good, is so yeah. helpful because for me, I've never even thought of just asking my employer, for example, if they could get a better deal on my car insurance, and they probably can. Yeah, but it's or just if never they can't. Yeah, or mm-hmm. if they can't, they've probably received so many proposals from firms that are mm-hmm. looking to do business with them. So they could say, actually, this firm approached us, maybe you can go and speak to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. And, you know, it all really boils down to conversation. And in a way, that's why I called my business the wealth conversation, because just by talking to people, mm. you can save a lot of money. And I cannot tell you how many people have come to me and said, I've got this problem, I've got debt or whatever, and I've said to them, okay, let's sit down for an hour, show me your bank statement, and I can show them, you know, within a few minutes where they can save money, or I'm asking them questions, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And so speaking to someone, speaking to a professional, yes, you might have to pay a bit of money, but actually it will save you thousands, Mm. if not millions over the years. Yeah, it will melt the multiply effect, right? It will multiply Mm -hmm. your money. So see it as an investment as opposed to a sunk cost. Exactly. Amazing. I wish this conversation could continue because you've been sharing so much goodness with us, Sisi. But thank thank you you so, so much for all these gems that you have dropped right here. And I'm sure the ladies are eager to hear where they can learn from you more, how they can connect with you. So go ahead and share with us more about where we can reach you. And if you have anything interesting to share, please do so now. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. So I guess the easiest place to find me or where I'm a bit more active these days is on Facebook. And I actually have a Facebook group. So if you look for the Wealth Conversation and join the Facebook group, you know, I'm now doing live trainings in there. I actually, my recent one was how to save money during periods of rising inflation. I did that over three days. Very topical. Um, Yeah, so I'll I'll give you the link, uh, Rebecca, if you want to share that. And then when you join the Facebook group, you actually get access to one of the workbooks that I've created, which is called the Wealth Cornerstones Guide. And it's all about helping people understand why money is important to them. And, you know, we're focusing on all areas of our life, our physical, mental, social, spiritual, and financial well-being. 
So yeah, and you can get all of that when you join a Wealth Conversation Facebook group. I'm also on Instagram, but not very active there, but you can find me there and then LinkedIn as well. And I think that's where we met, Rebecca, on yes. LinkedIn, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. I can't even remember how we connected, but the internet yeah. is an amazing thing. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. And I guess I should also mention the Wealth Conversation podcast, which yes. you can find on Spotify and Apple and all those lovely places. Some very interesting conversations there. So ladies, yeah. definitely subscribe and I will have all the links in the show notes below. So please do not suffer in silence. Let's be more open about talking about money and really being intentional about designing our financial future. So one last question, we love to ask some fun questions at the end just to wrap it up. So your question for today is, you have just won a truckload of the last thing you bought on Amazon. What is that? The last thing I bought on Amazon was actually a book, I believe. Was it a book? Yes, it was a book. And it, how weird. And now I'm actually so glad I bought this book because I've got something mm -hmm. good to say. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. A truckload will be great. You can give all of us books. like. Oprah. And I would give the books. And I'm actually, if I'm sounding confused, it's because I'm trying to be clever and find the thing what in exactly my, the my phone is? without having to go away. And yes. So the last thing I bought on Amazon was a book by an investor called Eric Collins. He's a black gentleman born and raised in the US and he's moved to the UK. And it's actually called We Don't Need Permission, How Black Business Can Change Our World. It is a phenomenal, thought very thought provoking. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I am writing that down on my book list for 2023. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much once again, Sitsi, for coming onto the show and for sharing such an amazing, you know, insight and, you know, just a different way of thinking about money and very practical tips, especially for us as women of color. Really, really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Her podcast. If you found this helpful, I would be forever grateful if you left a review of the show right here on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. If you would like more support and inspiration to elevate your career, go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn at Rebecca Morioki. Or if you're an Instagram girl, let's connect over there. See you on the next show.